What up, HyperChange? Welcome to another episode. Uh, today we've got a really special guest, um, Detroit industry legend, um, Sandy Monroe on the line. Uh, Sandy, <laughs> welcome to HyperChange. Well, thank you again. Yes, thanks for uh, for inviting me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so um, I found out about your uh, you and, and what you do about maybe a year, year and a half ago, um, and you're basically in the business of tearing down cars and selling reports and that data and information um, to other car companies. Um, and I think you work with a ton of different people in the industry, also defense contractors. Um, and I even ended up going to Detroit about six months ago to your electric vehicle day where you presented all the electric vehicles you tore down, how those were differently built. Um, just unbelievable, like top quality research about how the auto industry um, and just what's under the hood of these cars. Um, so I'm curious, like, how did you get started into the business of tearing down cars and selling reports on that? <laughs> well, um, um... So I, I started off uh, uh, in the tool making industry and um, and then I went into machine tools and automation. That's where um, uh, uh, they convinced me to get out of tool making and get into engineering. And then I wound up as chief engineer and then I went to Ford. Um, um, and when I went to Ford, uh, there was very, very little that um, related to the industry I came from. I came from an industry where everything was measured in thousands of an inch. Uh, and I came uh, unprepared for what I saw when I got into the auto industry. And I could see that there was lots of opportunities for, um, for the product, as long as it was redesigned differently, like everybody wanted to go to robots and whatnot. And I came from that industry. I knew exactly what you had to do in order to make it happen. So I got very lucky. Um, there was uh, it was uh, Ford hires in forty year blocks, so I I was uh, I was twenty nine, and uh, the next youngest guy in my office was uh, probably um, seventy, maybe seventy five. I don't know, but they had eighty year old guys in the, <laughs> in the office, so they weren't doing too much walking around in the factory, and so I got the chance to basically do whatever I wanted and. And it, it, it was easy for me to, to get promoted a couple of times. Those guys were Once, leftovers from the Model T program, huh? Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? Um, one, of the, uh, one of the pieces of machine tools that we had when I was at Ford, when I first went there, um, we, had to, we had to change the roller shafts, okay? It was just, uh, just, just rollers and uh, power-free rollers. And, um, and so I, I went to try and find the drawing, and there's a little note that said, Use uh, use the shaft out of uh, Model T Magneto, blah blah. Magneto? Who the hell? Is, what am I looking? At? I mean, I had no clue uh, what I was going to be doing here because I, these little shafts. I mean, who who makes these things anywhere? You're going to go and buy a Model T and pull the Magneto shaft out. So anyway, that's kind of gives you a little bit of uh, history there. But uh, but anyway, um, I was lucky enough to be at engine division when they needed somebody like this and and one thing led to another and uh, and when i was at engine division i i knew quite a bit about engines and so i started suggesting redesigns well if you're in manufacturing and you make redesign suggestions to product design engineers oh they're poo-pooed immediately one thing led to another though and um, i made a couple of suggestions that made a lot of sense at least to the vice president at the time his name was max jerosic really a fabulously smart guy um anyways he um he decided to take me under his wing and next thing i knew i was uh, working both in manufacturing and product design at the same time and that meant that 
you know, I had to know more about what was up and coming on these different engines and we started taking them to pieces. Now we did have a benchmarking operation, but it didn't do what we needed it to do. It just had a bunch of parts laying on a table. We wanted to find out where's the money, what's good, what's bad, those kinds of things. And uh, so consequently, we started taking apart our own engines um, at, uh, at Ford. And then we got very successful. Um, I developed a little program and I used another program that was from, uh, from uh, like an open source. And this is a time when um, everybody was using <laughs> the very first um, uh, computers. So these computers were incredibly heavy, loggables we called them. And I bought my own. I could have bought a car for the same price as what I paid for this thing because Ford wouldn't, wouldn't buy these, these kinds of, uh, that type of equipment. So I bought the first alleged portable uh, computer. In fact, I'll take a picture and I'll send it to you for grins and giggles. Awesome. You can have a look, but because we've still got it here. Anyway, um, that, uh, that basically allowed me to, to, uh, to, in a, in a computer program, which had a lot more validity than just me talking to hand out, um, a business case and say, well, this won't work. And it's going to cost us a lot of money. And this is a no build. And this is what's going to cost us. And this is a poor quality idea. And this is what it's going to cost us. And I handed it back and the product design engineers didn't have a chance. I mean, well, I think, well, I think doesn't really work well when you're talking to the, uh, to the finance guys, uh, they, they don't like to hear that kind of stuff. So we had a lot of success on uh, something called the uh, Vulcan V6. Um, it came out as a much cheaper engine than anything we'd ever done before. It hit the ground running with quality. Uh, the uh, machine tools it took to put it together were cheaper. Everything was wonderful. And so I got promoted a couple of times and I wound up in finance staff, actually at world headquarters. And uh, so now I wasn't really engaged in a lot of the stuff that I used to do um, and I found out that when you get to world headquarters, it's very political and I'm not a political kind of guy. So, uh, Dr. Deming, uh, recommended that I leave. Um, he suggested that, um, he suggested that right in front of the guy who was the president of Ford at the time, Red Polling. And so I thought, well, <laughs> I guess uh, my career is over. So, uh, that's how I kind of got into business. Um, and I started small and I didn't start in the auto industry. I started working on, uh, actually my first customer was FC, or, um, what is it? Um, FMC. So that's Farm Machinery uh, Corporation. And uh, they, they took me all over the place and, uh, and I found out I could make a lot of money and it didn't, uh, I had a lot of knowledge that other people could, could buy and, Next thing I know, uh, we had a contract with uh, with Ford, and then I had another one with General Motors. lasted quite a while, and the next thing I knew, we were um, um, we were working for the aircraft industry, and on and on. So now, we've we we work on aircraft, we work on white goods like um, uh, washing machines and hot water heaters and things like that, um, and uh, and we also. Uh, uh, we also do automotive, medical devices. I mean, pretty much anything you can think of from Barbie. Basically, this is the truth uh, from Barbie to the space station because they did work on Barbie and we have worked on the space station. So 
it's kind of a widespread <laughs> of things that we we get involved with. So cool. And so what's your uh, story with Tesla? Because I know you were a little bit of like a skeptic at first and then No, I wasn't. Oh, you more than a skeptic. No, I, I thought this is crap. This isn't a car. <laughs> I couldn't, uh, I couldn't, when I got that thing, I thought for sure that's going to be it. My, my company is over because when that car came rolling, well, first off, I didn't want to buy the damn thing. I, I, uh, I got sucked in. I mean, Audi, um, uh, through another consulting house, uh, contacted us and said, here, go get a car and we'll pay you to, to, to disassemble it and we want a report. And I said, sure, fine. And I told them that the report that they were asking for was worth about three quarters of a million. Everybody was happy. And that was the end of that, right? Well, my car didn't show up right away because the quality was so poor that they stopped it at the factory. Um, by the time it got going, uh, by the time I got the car out, he said, oh, forget it. We put one on an airplane and flew it home. You're not supposed to do that. But they did it anyway, and that's the way it, it goes. So now I got a car, and what am I going to do with it? And we'd already tried the BMW, and we knew that pff, we're not doing that, <laughs> not doing that again. We didn't. We lost a, a chunk of change on that. So I dragged the car out, and um, and uh, I don't know if you know John McElroy, but John McElroy said, "Hey, uh, uh, can I come down and uh, and uh, take some pictures?" And I said, "Sure." And uh, he came down and we did a little interview and, uh, and he said, what do you think of this thing? I said, oh, it's a pile of shit. Look at these doors. I mean, <laughs> you could, you could throw a cat through these cracks. I mean, this is like ridiculous. Uh, and then, uh, you know, John was, that's from the FF fit finish quality assessment. So after that, uh, John said, let's take it out and, and drive it. And I said, sure, why not? And I figured it was going to drive like it looked, but it didn't. And so we got in and we drove around and he was driving. I hadn't driven the car ever. And um, he was driving it around. He says, hey, this is really peppy. Holds the road really nice. What did you think of it when you drove it? And I said, I haven't driven it. But when we got back to the plant, um, I, I said goodbye to John and then uh, they were going to take it back into the, uh, you know, to be for, for teardown. And I said, uh, let me just try this out a bit. So um, I did. And um, I used to race cars a long time ago, and this car handled pretty well for, for, for an electric car, as it were. Anyway, we got it back, and we stripped off the things that um, really, like the don't judge a, a book by its cover. Okay, I was looking at the cover, but once we got past the cover and into the, the meat of the book, once we started looking at the electronics, the electrics, the the motors, the uh, inverter converters and whatnot. We'd already seen a bunch of electric vehicles, but we never saw anything like this. And that's when, uh, and then we started looking at what they, how they did what they did and how much things should cost versus what everybody else was spending. Uh, all of a sudden, I, well, not all of a sudden, it very slowly changed my mind. And, uh, and then um, I still, I, I've said this a couple of times now, but, I've never recommended anybody buy a three, uh, but uh, I do, I have recommended people buy a Y because uh, this is the first electric car that I feel um, is worth buying. So, yeah. And it's pretty incredible that Tesla gets like 25% gross margins. I think it was in their last quarter for their electric cars. Um, yeah. 
I'm curious what you think the other automakers are making on their electric vehicles, because none of them report their gross margins. But my theory is they're paying so much to outsource the battery, all the components, electronics, that they're probably losing money on every single electric car close to that. Yeah. Our guesstimate um, is somewhere between at the low end 500 and at the high end, probably about, uh, I think, let me think here. I think it was uh, 14,000, depending on which car you're talking about. Um, these, uh, these things are not profitable uh, because as I said in somebody else's, uh, somebody else was interviewing me, I can't remember who, but I said, uh, um, uh, they're not profitable because the car companies aren't serious. They aren't serious about what they want to do. And they're, they're trying the same strategy. So they start out with a sports car or something like that. Um, and that doesn't work really well because you can't make money on them. And then, man, they're late to market. And then there's other guys that are saying, well, we'll just get something into the marketplace and they put it into the marketplace and it just doesn't, it, it does, it's not really an electric car. It's kind of like somebody's impression of how electric car should be. Uh, and it's using um, kludged materials. It's not a car that's been designed to be an electric car. And then they, it's, it goes on and on, but mostly it's trying to, uh, trying to uh, squeeze, um, an old way of doing business into a new product. And uh, you can't do that. It won't work well. You've got to have leadership has got to um, uh, step up and, uh, and say, look, no more screwing around. And so consequently, I know who is, is doing that. Um, the guys that are buying more of our reports than anybody are the Japanese, almost every OEM. I can't think of one OEM that hasn't bought our reports in Japan. Um, the Chinese buy a lot of our reports. Um, the, uh, the reports have sold really well in Korea um, and a few in, in Europe and one in North America. It's, it's, uh, the other guys are really, they're serious. They want to know everything they can know about what's going on with Tesla because they're selling millions of cars and nobody else is selling virtually any, really. At the end of the day, it's, it, it comes out as spillage, really. Yeah, um, it's interesting you mentioned that because I saw in another video you were asking what other cars you would uh, think people would want to see you tear down. And I thought the yeah. Mirai, the fuel cell car, would be really cool. And also from China, the Neo. I don't know if you've looked Neo. much into Neo because I know they're only selling them in China for now. Um, yeah. But there's a lot of interest about those as well. Well, a Neo, um, <laughs> that might be a bit tough for us because um, we help them. So uh, that we have an operation in China, and we have uh, we have worked with Neo on some other oh. stuff. So uh, that might be tough. But we didn't do the whole car. We didn't do a, an analysis on the whole car. So maybe it's not hard for us to get anything out of China. As a matter of fact, everybody had problems with masks. My uh, uh, Tina uh, Tina Liu, the the, uh, the lady who runs uh, Monroe China, um, she sent us a great big care package with two thousand masks. At, KN95 masks. So, uh, so we can get whatever we want out of China. Um, and a Neo might be, you know, I never thought of that. That's, that's not a bad, uh, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll put that on the list. Yeah.
Nice. So um, moving to the Cybertruck, uh, I'm curious, you know, what your thoughts are on this, because this seems like such a game changer for the auto industry. Like, I think when we look back, you know, 10 to 20 years from now, we're like the Cybertruck's launched, it's in the market, it's going to be such an inflection point And just, it seems like it was almost engineered over designed. And it's so much more about making it functional from, you know, cost manufacturing standpoint, and design standpoint that nothing like that has ever been done in the auto industry for like decades mm. um so i'm curious kind of like my, me in particular like the manufacturing side of this like this is going to be a totally new way to build a car yeah the the, the that vehicle is um i i put it in a different classification people want to call it a uh, uh they want to call it a pickup truck it's not, it, it doesn't fall into that class. I, I think it's a new class and that's why, that's how it's gonna be remembered, I believe. Um, I think that, um, like for instance, um, when, uh, when um, the minivan was actually invented at Ford, I don't know if you knew that or not, but, uh, but the guy that invented it, uh, Lee Iacocca, did not get along with Henry Ford and so, um, in building five, when I was still at Ford, there was the Chrysler minivan. Only thing was, it was the Ford minivan. And Lea Coca had made that thing up and Henry Ford II decided he didn't want anything to do with it. When that van came out, when that minivan came out, I mean, it was instantly the savior of Chrysler. Chrysler was, uh, was saved by that vehicle. And, and when it came out, it, 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 wasn't a, it wasn't a station wagon. It wasn't a van. It was something, but it wasn't, and they called it the, the minivan. And all of a sudden, it took off like a rocket ship. I think that in years to come, um, the uh, Cybertruck will fall into that same sort of a classification where it, didn't, it doesn't match anything that's out there. It's similar to this and it's similar to that, but it's not the same as anything else. So I think that that's what you're going to find. I think it's going to be an icon like a minivan. And how are they going to build that thing? Um, I don't know. I, ha I can tell you how I'd build it, but... Uh, but um, yeah, sure. Um, I, don't think, uh, I don't think that... Uh, I could be wrong, but... Um, um, I don't think I'm going to be privy to the process sheets associated with that thing, but I know that they were talking about 50,000 vehicles a year. And I think they're grossly underestimating what they could sell, but let's say they sell 50,000 a year. Mm, the, the, the materials that they're using or talking about using and the styling on that product is um, uh, basically a piece of cake. That car or that vehicle is a piece of cake to uh, to uh, produce. It's going to be relatively inexpensive, as far as tooling is concerned. The the car itself is uh, the piece cost is going to be high because stainless steel is expensive and on and on and on. And those windows, if they want um, you know bulletproof windows and whatnot, uh, that's going to be expensive. But I think that there's a market out there, and the marketers is. They have targeted a market for myself and about uh, 20 guys that I know uh, <laughs> that go hunting and have quads and have motorcycles and like to go out in the desert if you happen to be in California in the high desert or if you're around here in Michigan 
This is uh, this is for going into the bush. I mean, everything about this appeals to guys that are, uh, I don't know, uh, still what I would classify as sportsmen. People who want to uh, who want to go out and uh, and have a small adventure instead of uh, you know, uh, like for instance, I have. I currently, I own a, a Jeep Rubicon, and I take it off-road. Most people that buy a Rubicon, the, 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 the most uh, aggressive driving they go is like from the house to the drugstore. I mean, that's it. They, they never take it off-road, never. But it's cool to have one, right? I think that there are some people out there that would like to have um, um, uh, a cyber truck for the same reason. But I think that most of the buyers are going to be um, are going to be people like like me that are interested in going hunting, taking it off road, um, using it to haul quads or bikes, you know. And that's kind of like motorcycles. But I think that's what it's going to be. And I I can already tell you if um, if that thing comes out and it's half as I have five of them on. We Monroe has five of them on order. Uh, and this time we're not going through a, uh, we're not going through, um, a broker because we don't have to, um, we got in, in the first hour with five of them. my guys were watching the release. I didn't even know what was going on. Um, uh, and they popped in, uh, five different names and, uh, using their, <laughs> using their home address, uh, their own, uh, 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 uh email address, not, uh, not Monroe and Associates address. Yeah, I, I have one on order too. I'm so excited. Um, yeah. So, uh, and I, I've heard you mentioned before, um, or actually one thing I'm curious about the Cybertruck is this exoskeleton. A lot of people have asked me about yeah. how that uh, ties into the safety of the vehicle um, with like the crumple zone and a, crashing a different way. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? It's it's no different. I mean, you still have to go through a finite element analysis. So you design a product in CAD, computer-aided design, and you um, and you uh, you give it the shape you want, and you take a guess at what uh, what what you want to do with the uh, different parts of the vehicle. Then you can go into something that Alter, uh, one of the other uh, CAE uh, computer-aided engineering tools that Alter puts out, and what it'll do is it'll um, it'll help you by designing it um, or redesigning what you have modifying it slightly so that uh, that you've got an efficient use of materials and things like that. Then you go into um, basically crash mode with uh, finite element analysis to find out how that design is going to react um, in different crash modes. So side impact, um, small offset, uh, rollover, rear, uh, everything, everything that, uh, that, uh, that, uh, that would tell you you're, you're in trouble and how do I, how to make it work? And so what the computer does then for the computer program, it comes back and says, well, don't do this. Um, you have to strengthen this. This is too red. This needs to be a little more blue. The different colors tell you how much of a crumple you're going to get in different areas. Um, and I don't think there's going to be any problem at all with, uh, with an exoskeleton or, um, you know, a conventional, uh, conventional, um, uh, build it. <laughs> you, you figure it out the same way. We're going to use the yeah. same tool. They're going to use the same tools to design, um, how that product is going to react in a, in a bad situation. 
And it seems pretty crazy because Tesla's uh, been leading in safety and they had the the lowest probability of injury, I think, by the National Highway Traffic and Safety Administration. Like they set new records for their cars. Do you know why yeah. they're able to create such safe vehicles and more like push the envelope? It's way over designed. I mean, um, and if, isn't that a good thing that they're making the cars safer? Like some would say that's. It, yeah. But but the problem the problem is, is that you're supposed to make money on these things. And um, and sometimes over designing it uh, will give you a great recommendation for um, uh, from the um, EPA or or from NISHTA. But uh, but at the end of the day, you still have to make money at it. And um, and so and, and you every time you add an ounce of weight, you you reduce the range. I think Tesla's range could go up a lot if they. Um, if they modified the design of the car, it could still make it exactly the same as Crash, um, but but it doesn't have to be so heavy. Um, and I made mention of that before. And so what did they do? They they went in and uh, on the Y, they took out a whole bunch of bits and pieces, hundreds of little bits and pieces in the rear third of the car and put in a big casting. And they went from hundreds of parts and who knows how many different kinds of fastening devices to four, well, four major parts and um, basically 30 components and the rest of them are nuts and bolts. And you know what? Works just fine and I'm sure it's going to be uh, 10 times stronger and it's going to be lighter. So it depends on how you design things. Um, you don't want to have anything more than you absolutely need in order to hit the safety requirements that, uh, that the government's looking for. And all cars are there's no car that I know of that's on in the marketplace right now that's not safe. It's just, uh, you know, uh, how much do you want to spend in order to get to a point of redundancy, like redundant materials, extra materials that don't add any extra to the, the value to the car. So. And are there any other improvements um, now that you've torn down the Model Y that you want to see like low hanging fruit that you think Tesla should improve on their next iteration or? Any new ideas for Elon? <laughs> I think Elon's uh, doing just fine, <clears throat> but um, but um, uh, but I, I I suggested a couple of things and um, uh, before when when uh, and we sent 250 ideas uh, to the guys at Tesla. I don't know what all they did with them, but um, but we can see that there's improvements here and there where. Uh, we we know that those are kinds of suggestions. Whether whether they came from us or whether their own people did it, I don't care. As long I'm I'm more interested in making sure that uh, the auto industry survives, really and truly. <laughs> I don't I don't care whether it's Ford or or uh, Chrysler or whoever. I I want to make sure that the the auto industry survives. Uh, we have always had these situations where there's been shakeouts where, you know, huge companies vanish uh, overnight. And manufacturing, I think, is necessary for the United States to maintain the standard of living that we've got right now. Stop manufacturing and uh, bad things happen. Lots of people will be on welfare. There's nothing. Uh, so I, I, I want things to happen. And that's why when, you know, when we were talking, uh, when we tore the Model Y apart, and I said, well, we're just going to give this stuff away. And we said, wait a minute, we, we, we usually sell this. I said, well, we're selling these reports. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to give it away. Um, and the reason for that is because the ideas that we sent to Tesla, uh, for us, they were obvious. 
for them, obviously it wasn't. And they put them in place. And there's, there's a couple of things like the big thing for me, two big things. One, they, they need to get a grip on, um, on, um, the paint. Uh, oh, I was going to ask you about that. I'm glad you're bringing this up. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I'm really disappointed. Um, and now I've seen three Tesla model Ys and you got the same now. I don't want to say nasty paint job, but I can't think of anything else. That's the biggest thing. It's, it's, it's not a, it's not a good paint job at all. I, I don't know why. And I, I've recommended uh, people that I know, like Mike Tracy, he goes all around the world making paint shops work properly. I'd like to see, uh, I'd like to see Elon Musk uh, hire him and, uh, and get the paint right. <clears throat> I think, um, I don't know how it happened, but I think they're inducing dirt uh, just before they start paint because it's underneath the skin. So, and then it's got orange peel and things like that and swirl marks. People have been commenting on, uh, on uh, uh, when I did the ride and drive for a little car, the blue car, I mean, um, people were saying that you can see the swirl marks. I didn't talk about the paint uh, at all, hardly. But uh, but if it shows up on video, that's something you 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 really need to do, and that's not it's not that difficult. I mean, it, it should be something that they can make right. So that's one thing. The other thing that I have a problem with, is- and actually on the paint, um, I thought it was really cool how on the the third row podcast actually that I think you called into Elon mentioned how in the Berlin factory that they're building, they're going to have a totally new paint shop, and I think a lot of the yeah, good idea. Paint- has been bad is because they bought the Fremont factory. It was an old factory. I think the paint shop was probably old too. And so that's mm-hmm. what Elon was saying. It's difficult to upgrade, but their new paint shop in Berlin. So I think that's a cool like way that Tesla, like they're always improving everything and every weakness yeah. eventually becomes a strength. And so for the Berlin paint shop, they were talking about how it's going to have like flop or Elon, like this some sort of 3D. I didn't know what that was. Some paint term. I was Googling yeah. it, um, mm-hmm. but it was kind of like cool, shiny, paint so i'm curious like what what do you think he means when he says like the this new tesla paint's gonna like pop and have flop yeah well the the i don't know what flop is but <clears throat> but um newer style paint jobs um basically look uh, deep really deep and they trick your eyes into making it look almost like 3d so uh, it's that's that's kind of like what the expensive car companies are like uh, bmws and and Bentleys and things like that. They, they go for, uh, they go for that, uh, that deep look. And I think it'll be great if they can do that. Um, the Fremont plant uh, was notoriously old and dirty. I never bought a car out of that thing, but, uh, but I do know that um, if, uh, if I was uh, redoing that plant, I would have been in there with uh, sandblasting equipment to get rid of the dirt and junk and sometimes that's what goes wrong. People don't do a good job at cleaning the old plant. And if you don't take off all of the muck that's associated with, um, with, a, um, with a paint department, like a paint shop, you don't get rid of all that. It'll always come back to bite you. So uh, I think that's kind of like what's going on. They've got dirt there that probably is, who knows, 40 or 50 years old. Yeah. 
Um, so one part of the Tesla story I'm fasting with is autopilot and the way they're developing the self-driving software that sort of gets better and they have all the drivers <clears throat> training their their system. Um, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that and what you've seen from a hardware perspective. Because one thing Tesla's done an amazing job of is getting the hardware needed to for the software down to a price point where they can build it into every car as a production <clears throat> vehicle. That's a super unique thing that until i know i talked to rivian and they say they're gonna do it i'd love to see you tear, tear down a rivian by the way um and they they're they're planning to have like twice as many sensors and cameras as a tesla is just to be mm -hmm. able to get the car to drive itself but i'm curious like what your thoughts uh are on on what tesla's doing there well again i did the ride and drive uh that was actually uh condensed down to about i don't know six or seven minutes but uh, but we we tried out a lot of different things like nobody everybody said well why didn't you do the stoplight thing I did uh, I I put it on and tried that out everything everything seems to work quite well and uh, in there I talked about in the olden days when I was a kid a young kid I grew up on a farm and uh, it was all around us were very very old farms like from the 1600s um, this part of the world was. Uh, uh, was uh, basically settled by uh, the French, um, and there were no, uh, there was no British or uh, or colonialists that came out this far, really, because the French had everything. And I lived right around all these guys that had had their farms since uh, who knows Louis the Sixteenth or something like that, uh, very old. And these guys, they did not like to conform. They had tractors and combines and whatnot, but they also still had horses. And in the olden days, <clears throat> the old farmers, the really old farmers who didn't drive, I mean, can you, this is a mind blowing, but they didn't drive. They didn't drive anything, they didn't drive, they only used the, the horse and uh, they would have a buckboard and the guys would get in it and, uh, and uh, they'd go to a party and get all looped up, come back, stagger into the, into the, uh, into the buggy or the carriage or the buckboard and, um, and they'd fall asleep on the front seat and you know and that's it the, they'd slap the horse once and then he'd walk home he figured out how to get home this is what we need we need i need that right now okay so i i'm very big on um i'm very big on adas and whatnot so i tried out the car i thought it worked uh, remarkably well that's the i've tried out uh four or five different systems um, this is a this is a 3.0 uh, system, uh, whereas uh, the other Teslas are like uh, two and a half or something along those 2.5 or something like that. Uh, I thought it worked uh, as well as could be, uh, as well as could be, and it beeped at me and told me I had to go and touch the steering wheel again. But um, I mean, you could leave your hands off for a long time. Personally, I'd like to see them no hands. Uh, you know, actually. I don't know if you're aware of it, but one of the things we did at Monroe was uh, we developed a, an, air, an airplane. Um, it's uh, uh, an airplane that, uh, that was for um, SAT, Small Aircraft Transportation System, that NASA really wanted to have done to get rid of problems with um, um, highways. So in California, if you've ever had the misery of trying to go down Ventura, highway which is a, a joke i mean you can you can be on there for 10 hours trying to go 10 feet it's ridiculous right so a lot of that could disappear if we had uh if we had uh, VT, uh vtols uh, vertical takeoff machines or even even conventional aircraft 
that anybody could fly or better yet, you didn't have to fly. And so we developed an airplane. You just told it where to go. So you only landed at the small airports and there's 10,000 of those 10 or 15,000 of them running around lots more than the big airports. You'd be in an airport. It would know where it was. You'd say, I want to go to Chicago. Um, and it'd say, where in Chicago? You'd tell it, and then it would figure out what small airplane to airport to go to, and boom, you got there. And people think, oh, that's like science fiction. No, it isn't. We bid four of those, four of those planes. We retrofitted it with the kind of technology that we needed. We took off a bunch of uh, senators and congressmen and flew them from, uh, from basically Reagan, which is a much bigger airport than we wanted to, but they took off in Reagan and landed in Danville, I mean, a little dinky town, um, and uh, nobody died. And that's all they did was they, they just said, uh, basically, we want to go to Danville. And the planes took off. They landed. I've got videos on it. But unfortunately, um, it didn't work because that was – we were ready to go into production in 2008. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> if wow. I didn't have bad luck, I'd have no luck. But anyways, um, it, uh, it, it failed because – you know, all the money dried up. You know, yeah. Elon has a design for a, an electric VTOL jet that he talks about. I made a couple of videos yeah. about it. Have you heard about that at all? No, I haven't. But uh, but I'd really like to get involved in VTOL. I think that that's the that's what's really going to kill the car industry. It won't be the wow. uh, cyber truck. It's going to be that because I mean, it's everything is right there. It's all done. I don't I don't understand why we're we don't have the flying cars. I mean. I grew up and with was the yours electric. Sorry, I missed that part. Was the one you were designing electric? Oh, we made it so that it would run on a Corvette engine, um, uh, an inline of uh, an inline six uh, diesel engine, or an electric power plant. And uh, the fuel cell, uh, or sorry, the not the fuel cell, but the um, the fuel area in the paradigm, you just drop that out and walk away with it and then you'd put in uh, it's in the wing box basically you'd take that out and then you'd put into the wing box uh batteries and we we used we were planning on nickel metal hydrate but now we could triple the distance uh with uh I basically i'd use tesla's um um tesla's uh battery pack to i'd put two of them in and call it a day yeah, this is a perfect segue to my my next question because Elon has said that they would need an energy density of I think 400 watt hours per kilogram to start making it possible for the lithium this new type of batteries to power it for short flights. I don't know if that sounds right to you. Well, um, we we were looking at two hours in a year, um, and I think I could probably get two hours out of uh, because you're going quite a bit faster with an airplane with a VTOL. Um, that's different. It takes a lot of energy to lift it off the ground um, and uh, and a lot more energy to bring it back down safely. Uh, so maybe that's what he's uh, addressing. But but for the uh, but for the paradigm, that was a five seater. And um, once you're up in the air, it's not a whole lot of power that you need in order to go around somewhere 150, 200 miles an hour. And you're going in a straight line and you're not going to be stopping anywhere. I mean, there isn't any stop signs in the atmosphere. So um, that's where this thing had a, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, advantage. So. And so speaking of Tesla's batteries, um, I'm, uh, have you looked what into their doing? Have you looked much into what they're doing with Maxwell? 
uh, and they're in battery <coughs> investor day. And I'm big on this theory that they're going to unveil a next generation battery cell, which is even more energy dense and cheaper to produce. Um, have you looked much into that? I've heard lots of uh, lots of tales, and um, it's hard to say which one is true and which one isn't. But I can tell you for sure that um, there's a, a bunch of guys that say it's going to be um, um, uh, 50 millimeters in diameter, which kind of makes sense. So it'd be almost it'd be more than twice the diameter of what it is now. Nobody knows how long it's going to be. And it's probably going to be um, something that's going to be giving you a new chemistry. That new chemistry then would uh, would give you uh, uh, more more power. Sorry, so, this is their new cell, like the dry battery electrode. You've been hearing rumors about that. Yeah, that's that's uh, the that uh, solid state battery is the other one. There's a whole bunch of uh, there's a whole bunch of stories about what Maxwell was going to bring out. And what yeah. Tesla's going to do, but at the I haven't seen anything. Nobody has come along and said, "Hey, have a look at this." Um, I mean, I, I'm sure they're trying to keep it super secret for now. I'm, until, I'm until sure the that yeah, I'm sure that there would be um, there would be <laughs> cement shoes. I think they used to call them cement shoes or cement galoshes for anybody that uh, that talked about it. Uh, that's for sure. They disappear and become fish food or. That, that kind of a thing. I, I think that, uh, that Tesla, Tesla was supposed to have a battery day quite a while ago, uh, but I think they didn't like what the results were, so they went back to the drawing board and they're gonna come out with it. My big thing is, I'm hoping that he's gonna come out with a solid state battery. If that's the case, that's what Maxwell was touting that they were gonna come up with, was a solid state battery. And if that's the case, that's the game changer. That will definitely, um, That'll definitely change everything because solid state batteries are, uh, they're like the utopia, the, the, um, um, the holy grail, if you like, of, of uh, electric vehicles. Once that happens, everything will change, everything. Yeah. Um, and we've oh, seen some, but not, not anything really big. So go ahead. Um, yeah, one thing I forgot to ask on the autopilot thing, do, do you have an estimate of how much that suite is of like the computer and all these sensors? Like how much cost does that add to the vehicle? Um, that uh, That's what we're working on right now. Um, uh, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be, uh, actually, I have to sell reports uh, soon. Otherwise, um, the bank will come and take this building. But uh, um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to tell you right now, there's going to be some uh, reports that are going to be specific and they're going to be sold separately. You don't have to buy the whole thing. And one of them is going to be for the octo valve and the, um, uh, and the um, uh, heat pump and all that other stuff going together. And the other one is going to be for the uh, ADAS system. That'll be a much deeper dive into, uh, into the ADAS system for, um, uh, for those people who are building those types of systems. But right now, I can't tell you. I don't I don't know. We, are, gotcha. we haven't finished yet. And it'll be probably the last thing because the one thing I can tell you is um, the guy that's got the job um, is uh, ripping his hair out, uh, trying to figure out how to cost all these things and uh, <laughs> what they do and how they interact and things like that. Yeah, because Tesla built their own chip from scratch, right? I mean, how how unprecedented is it for them to have their own chip program? And they have another version of the chip. You said you drove hardware 3.0. 
they yeah. have a 4.0 in the works too that'll come out in a year yeah. or two so how unprecedented is that that tesla's like you know i call them almost computer on wheels almost not a car because of the level yeah. of electronics yeah and and quite frankly that is basically the way uh, it is right now almost every car whether it's ice or electric is a computer is computers lots of computers on wheels electronics is takes up a huge amount of the cost but i i think that um I think that the only company that I know of that creates or the only industry that I know of that creates their own chips apart from the computer industry um, is the defense department, the DOD, they create their own chips. Um, and unfortunately, this is one of these areas where I get all testy and excited. We don't build any of them here, none. And that scares the daylights out of me. Now I heard stories about the Tesla chip and how it's got billions of uh, contact points and stuff like that. And they tried to get uh, Texas Instrument to build it and they couldn't, so it's gone where? China. We're falling behind that curve really quickly. We can come up with the ideas and whatnot, but we can't build them. And like I said, right at the beginning of this show, <clears throat> manufacturing, if you don't manufacture, you die. You become, uh, you become a third world country. And uh, we really have fallen behind the curve and I put, all of that blame on the East Coast universities that, uh, that you know, have this puerile idea that somehow all we have to do is just put a label on the front and call it good. That stuff doesn't work. No, yeah, it's like no. the MBAs are running the country, like running yeah. it from an Excel spreadsheet. Um, but that's why I love Elon Musk and t what Tesla is doing. Like they're vertically integrated. Like that's super yes. new and different. And they brought that back. Um, and specifically like what you're talking about, that casting part. Um, where they have for the back of the Model Y, where it's they had like 70 pieces, they turned into two, soon to be one. Um, how much is, like with those sort of improvements, how much is Tesla pushing the envelope on the actual manufacturing level? Like, is that something that's never been done before? Or is that like a breakthrough for automotive manufacturing? No, uh, there's lots of uh, lots of examples of, um, of big castings that, uh, that were used. I mean, um, and you've got uh, uh, you've got Cadillac. You've got um, um, actually BMW's got a tremendous number of them. Um, Audi Audi has a whole car like that. On and on. But but the thing is to go from this to that is no big wow. But but what's really a big wow is that material. We put our little uh, handheld spectrometer on it, went click, and it came back, and it's not 350 aluminum it's 350 with some kind of additive that our machine can't pick up. So the big thing with Tesla is they're developing their own materials. We saw the same thing on the housing for the motors. It's not, it's, it doesn't fall into a general cast, uh, casting kind of technology. It's, it's different. Um, and then they use different aluminums than what we'd normally see for the types of, um, applications that they're using them for you know usually use this kind but they've got something similar but it's not the same they're developing their own alloys that's what makes it different when you when you develop your own alloys you're <clears throat> you're basically excluding everyone else from the marketplace because somebody is making that aluminum for them that's not something you find on the shelf and the only other company that i know that did that was uh actually um the we we analyzed and uh, and I don't want to say copied, but we did 
um, an airplane that was called the uh, Republic Seabee. It was also an exoskeleton aircraft. And and they developed their own aluminums so that they could spot weld them and they wouldn't rot. And the, the aluminum does not rot. And they, they, the FAA shut them down. The, the FAA shot them down because they said, you can't use spot welds. So your, 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 your airplane will fall apart in the air. The, the plane in back of me is like, I don't know, 75, 80 years old. Who knows? A long time ago. And guess what? Not one rotten weld. Not one. But they wouldn't allow them to have the, uh, that special aluminum. In auto industry, if you have something that's close, they call it, a, you know, that's fine. But I think that uh, when somebody comes along and says, oh, I don't have to heat treat, I don't have to bring it to a T6, uh, I don't want to get into technical stuff, but um, <laughs> I don't have to heat treat this aluminum to bring it to, uh, to, to, bring it to full strength. It's, it's like that already. How, how do you do that? Well, I don't know how. And I took metrology for uh, three years in high school and, um, and I don't know how many years in, in college. I, I wanted to be a metallurgist. And I can tell you for sure that I don't know how to make that happen. I don't know how to get the, the right space lattice and I don't, without doing a heat treat, they're doing it. Okay, I want to know what that material is. So I'm going to chop off a chunk of it and it'll go to the most accurate uh, company that's out there. They take a little piece, they blast it with um, and blast it to pieces and they look at the colors and that's how you tell what's inside, how many, how many different colors there are and what those colors mean uh, as far as, uh, as far as alloys. And uh, we'll find out what the, uh, what the special ingredient is, but yeah, and that that's sounds like one of those uh, benefits, like uh, because they're so partnered with SpaceX and so closely linked with that, they're able to use like a lot of the R&D from SpaceX and bring that into Tesla. And I think yeah. that that's where that, some of that materials expertise comes from. And I'm wondering if, you know, the stainless steel Starship with this, the stainless steel Cybertruck, if that's going to be like, you know, a really next generation sort of materials partnership between the two companies. I... I really don't know, uh, but I can tell you that a lot of what we we also work on um, on rockets, um, and rockets and missiles and um, and things that do go into space. And I do know that they use materials that we would never dream of using inside of the auto industry. But the aluminum that we're talking about here, uh, I don't know anything about. Uh, there's no there's no there's no aluminum that I know of that has the ingredients that came up on our spectrometer. Um, they're just not there. So the stainless steel, maybe it's the same deal. Maybe they've got uh, the exact same sort of a scenario, but the U S made a stainless steel aircraft. It, um, uh, it went very, very fast and, um, and they made it out of stainless steel because, uh, the aluminum product uh, was melting. So that's kind of, uh, that's kind of like why they did it. And then we got into cryogenic systems that would allow us to cool a the front of the aircraft and that that problem went away so they went back to aluminum but stainless steel has a lot of advantages really cool and so i'm curious why um the autopilot and self-driving package is so important that you would sell that by itself the other thing you mentioned is the octo valve which is that yeah. really cool thing and you guys posted that awesome picture of it <laughs> why yeah. is like this little heat pump heating and cooling system important enough to be its own report and such a big deal well, first off, um, I unfortunately didn't get a chance to drive um, either car uh, in a winter time. 
uh, real winter time. But I know that the PTC heater, the little resistor heater that uh, that they had in before, really didn't warm up the uh, cabin. People complained about that a lot. This one, with the idea of doing a short circuit, so what they what they're doing is uh, they're short circuiting the um, the flow path that goes through the uh, goes through the heat pump, so that it it heats up faster and then it starts sending warmer uh warmer coolant around to heat things up um i haven't heard of anybody doing that we work on air conditioning systems and heat pumps and whatnot and i've never heard of anybody doing a short circuit like that and so i'm like uh you you were asking about you know who else does does these kinds of things well the the porsche it has a uh, it has a, a system like that or the porsche or the Maybe it's the I-Pace. I'm not sure. It's either the Porsche or the Jaguar. But they have five um, five ports. This one's got eight ports. So um, I have one of my guys right now. Uh, his name is Al Steyer. And he's working on that right now. And he thinks he's got it all, all worked out, except for two ports that he can't figure out. And I think what's going to happen is he's going he's gonna to find that there's some kind of a, a do-loop kind of a deal there where that's that's going to be where they uh, where they have the short circuit and where they have something that's going to contain that heat so that um, so that when uh, when the heater finally or from the heat pump finally gets to a certain temperature bingo it's going to shoot and it's going to you know get things warm quickly very very quickly so those are the two things that a lot of folks are very very interested in the other one is the and the other one is the the new uh, induction uh, induction motor, the new aluminum induction motor versus the, the copper one, because that that's where uh, that's where the energy is. That's where things are going to happen, um, uh, where the rubber meets the road, I guess is what. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest that that's the other one that's probably going to have its own separate. Uh, uh, actually. The inverter converters, they are separate. The, the, so we do one that tells you this is approximately how much the inverter converter inverter converter costs, and here you go. But then there's another inverter converter study that's totally different, and that one gives you um, basically block diagrams and whatnot that shows you how everything works and where it goes to and on and on and on. It's uh, much more detailed, and uh, basically the only people that are going to want to see that are people who are – are designing those kinds of products. The other stuff is good for the engineers that'll be trying to figure things out or the finance people that want to know what the costs are. But the big deal is going to be in those other separate reports. And like I said, we sell those all day long to the guys in Japan. They, they definitely, they need to move quickly. They, they do not want to lose part of their market share uh, by, by sitting on their hands. So, Gotcha. Okay, so my last question is kind of a moonshot crazy one because um, I know it's tied into the octavalve um, and heat pump because another thing that Tesla builds into that system is like it cleans the air for you too. Um, it's also filtering the air like in the Model S and X. They have the bioweapon defense mode like sort of hospital grade filter. Um, and Elon was talking about that on the conference call. And then he's been tweeting about how he wants to design a home HVAC um, system that would be like a smart heating, cooling system. Somehow I'm thinking tied into your home battery. So it would draw energy from your battery, not at peak times for the grid. Um, so I'm curious, like, 
do you have any ideas on this Elon, you know, Tesla home HVAC system or what, what he's thinking of? Well, <clears throat> I did not hear about that, but um, that is a ripe industry. Um, we work in that industry quite often and we make some, you know, grandiose kinds of uh, suggestions. <clears throat> and one of them is, um, you know, why aren't you storing energy and why aren't you doing this? And why aren't you doing that? And we put, I mean, this place, NASA calls Monroe um, an innovation factory. When when NASA was having problems, they came here and said, "Hey, uh, we can you can you think of something in this area?" And that's how we got that from uh, from Doctor uh, Doctor Holmes. He 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 was the one who gave us the name. We didn't pick that out of fresh air. Um, and we we try and do that with other customers, and that includes the HVAC industry, but they're all about cheap. I mean, when your focus is nothing but I want the cheapest possible thing that I, that'll work. Well, that kind of, that knocks the daylights out of any kind of innovation. So we've talked to uh, different um, HVAC companies about moving into using water storage. I mean, it's cheap and you could use that uh, to supplement your heating systems. We've talked to them about more efficient ways of doing um, uh, the uh, the heat pumps, so they'll actually work in a in a colder climate like we have in Detroit. On and on and on. And what we get back is, no, 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 nobody's doing that. We don't want to be the first in the marketplace. That's a good indication that I'm talking to an MBA. We're not going to be first. We're going to be second and better dressed. And I don't know who invented that, but that is 100% bullshit. That is crapola. The guy that's first wins. Nobody, nobody gives a shit about who come in second. And a way to do that is think back to the Olympics. Tell me all the guys who came in second. Nobody. Okay. And the only guys that can remember who lost the World Series or whatever are guys who are aficionados. I can only tell you who won. And then, unfortunately, in Detroit, <laughs> no matter whether it's baseball, hockey, basketball, football, whatever, it's always no. We didn't win that. Um, but but I think um, I think that uh, I think that the guys that win come in first. And uh, Tesla, Elon Musk has come in first in a lot of things that other people are. Oh no, no, we're going to hold back. We're going to hold back. Good, good, hold back. Yeah, do that. So yeah. when the stock market values Ford more than or Tesla more than Ford and GM combined, is the stock market being even though they produce one tenth the amount of cars, is the stock market being crazy, or is that a pretty clear clue about where this is all headed? Like you were just saying, <clears throat> who's first? Well, times are changing, and um, you know, um, some people say that the design the dinosaurs were eliminated by a big meteor, but. There was still life left over. I think that the uh, dinosaurs disappeared because they they didn't conform to the new uh, to the new uh, way of doing business or the new lifestyle that they needed to have or couldn't conform to uh, the change in the weather or whatever. And companies are the same way; they come and go. If uh, if they're rigid and stay put, um, I. I, I think I mentioned this on another show. I, I think that uh, uh, business is like a parade. Um, and if you decide to sit down in the parade and the elephants are in back of you, they're going to come forward and run you over and you're going to wind up being highway pizza. And that's what it does. I mean, that's how it works. The guys that sit around and wait to be second, hmm, 
they get their wish. And uh, that may be what's going on. I don't know. But I will tell you one thing. Um, I never had Tesla stock before. <clears throat> but uh, I have people who advise me on what to do. And uh, I just say, hey, look, do whatever you want. And now I own Tesla, <laughs> I have Tesla stock. And it's doing <laughs> Welcome to the family. Well. <laughs> yeah. But um, I mean, I, I would have never guessed I was going to buy. I don't usually buy individual stocks. It's not so no way. That's huge I, news. My goal, Sandy Monroe I, I is long Tesla. That's huge. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, uh, I bought it. I think it was like dirt. It was like five hundred bucks or some five or four. Five, I can't remember. I, I, I don't pay attention to stocks. But when my guy said, um, "Well, Sandy, your Tesla stock is doing really well. What Tesla stock? Well, the stuff you got. Uh, where's it at?" And I think it was like yes, because it was last week or whatever. And, and I was, I was going to take some money out of my uh, 401k because mm, I don't know what's going to happen, but I buy gold too. And so I'm going to take some of that out, put it into gold bullion. And, uh, and uh, I, I was talking and whatnot. And I found out that my, my Tesla stock was up like uh, almost 200 bucks. And I, I said, really? Wow. I should have bought more. Why didn't you buy more? <laughs> so, so wait, why did you try and get fancy if you never buy stocks to buy Tesla? Like, why? What? What made you do it? Well, I didn't uh, do it. It was done for me. But, uh, but I never bought uh, individual stocks. I buy stocks. I tell people that I only bet on horses I'm riding. So my customers, uh, the customers that I work with and whatnot, if, um, if. I know that they're uh, they're asking me to do this, that, and the next thing, and uh, and I assess what the future could be, uh, then I'll buy that stock. I I I bet on the companies that I'm working with. I almost never uh, I never go outside of that rule, uh, but this time um, I sold some stuff um, and um, there was money left over, so they they just bought me some Tesla stock and bingo because it was. He said it's ultra low. So, okay, fine. And uh, now it's up. I don't know what it is at now, but it's uh, around $700 or so. It's, it's 700. 800. Yeah. Really? Recording us almost. Yeah. Uh, well, then I'm definitely up 200 bucks. So for sure. <laughs> um, so I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah. You can see it all over my face, but I don't have that many. I've only got a small amount. And the only reason I found out about it was because I was saying, well, why don't you just gather up all the stuff that I've got laying around in different things and, uh, you know, scrape it together and I'll, I'll take that money to buy gold. And he went through and there was a Tesla stuff. And I said, oh, okay, well, all right, don't sell that. And so that's, that's where it's going to stay right there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join the show, Sandy. This is really interesting um, and always a pleasure to talk to you. I uh, really appreciate it. Well, thanks so much for having me on. Yep. And uh, where can everyone find your, because uh, you're a YouTuber now, you guys got, have put up a new website. Where can everyone find your stuff? Yeah, it's uh, Monroe Live. So M-U-N-R-O Live dot uh, com. So if you pop that in, you'll be able to have a look and everything will be hunky dunky and there's stuff that you can buy. Like if you wanted the bath that I went through the window with, um, that's for sale. There's all kinds of stuff for sale. So uh, we need the money. <laughs> yeah, so priceless buy collector's yeah. items. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. All, all right. signed too. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, Sandy. 
Have a good one. Okay. All righty. You too. Bye. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.